What's up, everybody? This is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review, sitting here with John Niatalo from the Omaha World Herald. After one of the wildest uh, endings to a college sporting event that I've ever seen, pretty sure I can say safely that you've ever seen. Um, but Marquette uh, walks if, away with. If the, you couple the ending with the entire game, it was one of the more. I mean, I've never seen a game like that. Okay. With as as. So I didn't. Got, I, I didn't unfairly put. Well, I just in. the ending. I mean, the, the I've never seen what happened last year with the Xavier game. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty improbable as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen a full court in my tenure as a sports writer. I've seen a full court heave or full court pass, catch and finish. Finish at the buzzer. At the buzzer. Okay. At the Big Ten tournament, I think Minnesota beat Indiana with it when I was covering that event once. That'd be pretty wild. Um, so ending it that was that was pretty crazy. But okay. um I don't know. I think the totality of what we witnessed for two and a half hours is something that I don't think I can really compare if you talk to Marcus Howard, the shot making from both teams and then the finish and then overtime. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was it that was, was quite the game. Like it's yeah. hard to put it into words. It was incredible to watch. Just in case you don't know which podcast you're listening to, this is the one where Marquette walks away with a 106-104 win over Creighton in overtime. Um, a game where we're probably honestly going to spend uh, the majority of this podcast talking about the final point eight seconds of regulation and then overtime. <laughs> um, because that's pretty much where the game was decided. Uh, you know, Creighton didn't... Well, they led the entire... They never trailed in the in regulation. Right. Like, yeah. Yep. Never trailed in regulation. A double-digit lead sometimes. Um, they were up 68-58 with nine minutes left. Yep. So they had, a ch- they had an opportunity to close that out. And I think that was like kind of what I was wondering is if... Um, I think the only thing that... Like, is, it, is a young team going to grow up and do this? Yeah. Because like, that's, that's I was what say, you're wondering in that moment. I was going to say that. I think the only thing that, like... We're, we got to get to the end of the game. Or the end of regulation and overtime, yes. But the only thing that is notable because of how how much we're going to have to talk about that stuff. The only thing that's notable for me up until that point is the fact that Creighton couldn't put Marquette away okay. because it was up, you know, the entire game and yeah. just didn't have that, couldn't find that knockout blow. Some of that's a credit to Marquette and Marcus Howard, but some of that is maybe some youth where you would have liked to see Creighton sort of step on the gas. Yeah. It's like, I mean, shows a killer instinct. I thought... Sixty-eight, sixty. There was the final, the under eight media timeout was sixty-eight, sixty. If I'm not mistaken, right? And I think, yeah, under eight. And, yeah, and, and, and I think and as you're grabbing your team together and you're getting ready for one more four-minute stretch, I think that that was the. Even though Creighton still had a chance to win this game, we'll get to that. I thought that was the stretch where Creighton had to put a run together. Yeah, I mean, to when, show some maturity, when, to show some like we're gonna put this game away because we've controlled it the whole way. And it's crunch time now, yeah. so it's time for us to grow well, up. Creighton was, like. was up, like I said, up 68-58, and then it had one, two, three, four empty possessions mm-hmm. in a row. Mm-hmm. And then, so instead of it being 68-58, now I it's 68 that right? it's 68-65. Oh, okay. Um, okay. That was the, the three-point. That's right, because Hauser's three got changed. Yep. Yeah, Joey Hauser. Right. So, I mean, if you're looking for a stretch, that was, it for that me. was, that was an important one. But now let's talk about the good stuff. Yeah, now let's talk about the <laughs> most important part. Was because while we were while we while I do think that was an important stretch that Creighton had 
an opportunity to put the game away. Creighton did essentially put the game away eventually, like the almost. Um, yeah. You know they ma- they made you know big shots, big plays, hit their free throws. Uh, you know Marquette's trying to stay within striking distance, and they are. I think they're down three with you know whatever how much time is left on the clock. Um, and Marcus Howard drives in. Uh, Martin blocks him, block strip, steal yeah. kind of thing. I don't know if it was a shot or a I block. Think it was I can't a shot. remember. I okay. thought it was a shot. I don't know what they. He put just in he just books, he took the ball away from him. Yeah. literally on Ty, a, a Tyson, defense. Tyson hit a jumper at the end of the shot clock. Right a little D Wade fade away off the glass. Right, yeah. that was with 17 seconds left. Yep, and yep. so then um, Marcus Howard went down and got blocked or stripped or whatever you want to say, Mark. Mm-hmm. Martin took it away, and then Martin came down, made the free made throw. both free throws. He was unbelievable from the free throw line tonight, um, thirteen of fourteen, and made both of those to put it make it a three point game or five point game. Excuse me, eighty five eighty, eighty five eighty. Marquette eight comes point, down, eight point nine seconds left. Yeah, Marquette comes down. Uh, Creighton gives them the layup. Essentially, they miss it, <laughs> so they had to get an offensive rebound, waste more time to get it in. They score with point six left. I think the rest put point. To back on to make a point eight, uh, Creighton had a timeout to set up a play to win the game essentially, and all they had to do, all they had to do, and we it's funny because we've been toiling over different ways they could have done it since the game ended, but all they had to do was have someone touch the ball. Yeah, and it didn't have to be one of their guys. It could have been one of Marquette's. Mm-hmm. Anybody standing inbounds. Whether it was one of the ten players or any of the three officials, could have touched their knee, could have touched any the part, elbow, any part. the head. As long as the cl- yeah, just touch some human anatomy, finger, part of the human nail, anatomy. yep, yep, jersey. Could have thrown it in yeah. someone's face. <laughs> could have done anything, and the clock would have started. Yes, um, but Creighton throws it deep to Martin, who I think was battling Sam Hauser, if I'm not mistaken. Is that who he was, was? Was it Joey or Sam? I think it was Joey. Okay, yeah. So it's like a jump ball, I guess, three-quarter court jump ball. Um, Martin and Joey are kind of battling for it, but neither of them end up touching it, and it lands on Creighton's side of the court and then just bounces, bounces, bounces. I think it bounced goes twice out of bounds. and then yeah. landed on the baseline. Yeah. So no one touched it, so Marquette gets the ball to inbound. On the other end line, they throw it into Sam Hauser, who then throws it into the basket. With no time left to tie the game. Now, <laughs> there's also... my. You know, we should give John some credit here, too, because immediately as soon as the ball went in, he said, that's not good. He has a... Um, I, I told Matt. We, we call it frames per blink. <laughs> right. It's, Cameras work in frames have, per second. John has frames per blink. Yeah, I, so have, he's like, I have very few skills. But one of my skills is to be able to determine whether or not a shot beats the horn or beats the red light. I, I, I'm telling you... This obviously this is coming off like really bragging, and there's no way that no. I can prove it. But like that, but you that were is what supremely I confident that I, ball was I've, late. I've like, got, and I was I've got like, this ability yeah. to like. I had no. Idea. I was not. And my confident. hit. My he hit was. rate. My hit rate's like ninety percent. And and I felt. I thought that that shot didn't 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 count live. But I think all the photographic evidence has I've confirmed what your blinks per or your frames per blink have yeah. saw. So yeah, Creighton gets a tough deal there after. Botching the inbounds play, uh, overtime starts, and then Marcus Howard starts, and then Creighton's playing catch up, and then uh, basically we just recapped that whole thing to make sure to confirm to you that you're not crazy. All that did happen. Creighton <laughs> did lose a game that they had won. Uh, 
they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, as they say. Mm-hmm. And now they are one and two in conference play with, oh, by the way, the reigning national champions come in into the building on Sunday. And a, and a road trip when we at St. John's, John's after that. Yeah. So the beast of a schedule is looking like it so far, and Creighton gave one away tonight. So that's pro- that's pretty much um, what we're going to focus on here, and then we'll get to your, we'll get to your questions <laughs> after that, which are, um, we'll say passionate. This is okay. the word we'll use for that, even though they go beyond. Um, but I guess, John, I'll let you uh, tee off your reaction to wherever you want to start in the final Well, I, zero think, I mean, you have to start with the, the turnover with yep. .8 seconds left. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, as, we, as you stated, the, the game was over. All you had to do was inbound the basketball, and I think Greg McDermott said it multiple times in the press conference that, had the game won. We didn't execute an inbounds play. That's on me. Um, it's my I, job to bring that home. I do think. And I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, I think their plan was flawed, obviously. Oh, clearly. It, um, but he that's said. That's like an over. Is that like an over? Let's, let's talk about like what the plan was. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because I think it seems like they overthought themselves. They a did. Bit there. Yeah. Because you're trying to. I think the plan was to get it into a Creighton player's hands. And that necessarily isn't what you needed to do. You just had to have it touched. Right. So, so he like, said, Greg McDermott said after the game that he, they told Connor Cashaw, who was inbounding the ball, to look for it. Which, open. by the way, that was Connor's first action of the night. No, no, no. He was in before. I know he wasn't. Because then he played overtime after that, didn't he? I thought he, I thought he subbed in earlier. Before, Did he really? Uh, yeah, because Mitch was in foul trouble. and um, Did he come in for Mitch when he was in foul trouble? How long did you play? A couple. Maybe, maybe it wasn't not. a minute, was it? I guess. Uh, check check this. Okay, this I'll check the play by play while you. Okay. I'll check while you go. Because I thought I, I thought he had he had been in at one point, but maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway, so the plan. What what Greg McDermott said after the game was that the coaches instructed Connor Cashaw to look for an open guard. Underneath the basket. You are right, by the way. He checked in at 1328, checked out at 1149. So you got a minute, maybe a minute and a half right. before that. Okay. Before that, okay. So so the idea was, hey, look for an open guard. Get the ball in. If you can't get it in to an open guard, throw it to Martin Crumple, who will be one-on-one at the opposite, opposite free, throw, yeah. free throw line. And um, so... The plan was flawed because, as we've stated, all you had to do was have somebody touch it. Mm-hmm. And even if you turn the ball over, say it's a clear steal, but you, you... So the idea was, hey, throw it to a guard who's open under the basket. If you would have just said, throw it to a guard under the basket, even if the ball's stolen, and with .8 seconds, all Marquette can do is... They can't pass it back out to, to get a three. You know, you just throw it up and hope you either get fouled for an and one or something... You, you, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. So um, you know what's funny is like I think the other flaw in the plan too is Connor Cashaw's Connor Cashaw is the best long range inbounder on the team. Yes. So I understand why you have him in there if you have a deep ball part of your plan. But that my thing is that shouldn't have been part of the plan. They didn't need it. Like they yeah. needed a decision maker right there, not a not a guy who can just throw an accurate deep ball. Right. Because you don't need the deep ball. You just need someone who can make the right decision, which is let anybody freaking touch the ball. 
Like, yeah. so well, and the Davion, Tyshawn, Marcus Zagorowski, right. like Mitch Ballack. The other thing those that are was the guys interesting, that been in the too, ball, was that Connor Cashaw was standing um, about as far back from the baseline yes. as you could get. You mentioned that you, th- you thought he didn't wasn't allowed to move even though he was. Like He was allowed to move, right? Yeah. They just made I, a bucket. I think they he just was. made a bucket. I don't right. know why he wouldn't have been right. able to. Right. So he, you know, normally in that scenario when you're inbounding the ball, you you can run the baseline and create a better passing angle, and um, and so I think, again, we don't know exactly what was in, instructed, but we have a general sense based on what Greg McDermott said, and he was like, throw the ball into our guards if they're not open, throw it deep to Martin. So it seemed like that was the the number two. I mean, you had three guards trying to get open: Davion Mintz, Tyshawn Alexander, who ended up like colliding. They ended up running to the same spot to try to get open and then mm-hmm. colliding and Mitch didn't get open. And so Cashall saw that and then threw it deep. Probably, I mean. Got a little sped up in his mind once the first action. Probably a little bit, yeah. Because you, you realize the second. What, I mean, you, in your mind, probably the worst thing you can do is take a five-second call. Exactly. There, when in reality, that's the worst thing you can do, but the second worst thing is what you did. Yeah, throw right, the ball right, out there of There are bounds. two things you can't do. Yeah. Five second call and, and throw launch it, it launch out it of bounds right. to where no one touches right. it. Those are the only it. two yeah. scenarios yeah. Yeah. where I guess maybe if you threw a jump ball at midcourt that was intercepted and somehow caught and the funny thing is you could have literally you could they could have literally and this is this is true like we've been going over scenarios like they literally could have ran one of their baseline out of bounds lob plays to themselves and scored on their own bucket. <laughs> They could have done that. They could have ran the end of shot clock play to Martin where he rolls around, yeah. catches a lob, and finishes it. He could have scored two more points for Marquette. Yeah. And they would have won the game. Like, they could have done anything was on the table. The, and so that's why it's, like, so frustrating for Creighton because they did what they, they did. There was, there was few scenarios that could have blown the game for them, and they overthought themselves into that web. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they're like, we got to get into our one of our players somewhere in a position where they can catch clean and not have to do anything. And it wasn't even that. Right. It wasn't even that complicated. It was way more simple than that. They I could mean, have ran a play to get Tyshawn a jumper. Anything. Well, they, they could have they shot the ball at Marquette's they rim. And what they did is they well, could have thrown it up into the crowd. Let everybody fight for you it. You could have run a play to throw it off like your red own, meat to throw it off your own player. Yeah. And you know, just throw it off. You could have chunked, like, you just, like, thrown it off the body of the person defending the inbounds play. Anything. If Wojo's inbounds yelling (laughs) instructions, you could throw it off his face. I don't know if the clock starts on, if it hits the coach who's... Oh, really? That's not a player? I I don't know. Okay, well... You could have handed the ball to Theo John, who I think was part of him. Just handed the ball to him. Because then he has to... Yeah, here's the game ball, sir. Right. Literally just give it to him. Yeah, he's standing underneath the basket. What's he going to do in point eight? So There are so many different things that could have happened, and... And obviously, um, one of the two things that couldn't happen happened, and that was to throw the ball deep and nobody <coughs> touching it. And it looked like Martin either was trying to draw a foul or maybe just misread the ball because mm-hmm. like he didn't go. He after got it. off balance. That, and it was it, his balance was shifted towards right, that, the. So the thought was line, is that so like, um, Martin was in front of joey hauser i think it was joey hauser so he's essentially yeah. like boxing him out right and so you just throw it up to him and martin can catch it but it i don't know if if martin thought he got pushed or something happened and he or maybe he misread it but whatever the reason he was standing like flat-footed as the ball kind of went over his head mm-hmm. and so by the time that 
He, it took like a harmless landing. <laughs> yeah. And by the time that everyone realized, like, oh, you better, you go, better get go get that, that ball, it, it was right. too late. It was too late. He, yeah. he, it, like, he would have had to immediately turn and go get it mm-hmm. and go after it. To catch up to it. To catch up to that ball. Um, so, yeah. It was just, I mean, again, the plan was flawed. And it's, it's you know, it's not, I mean, I've covered this team now three, this is the third year, and they've never been in a situation where they've had to just inbound the basketball with point eight left and you win the game mm-hmm. so it's not a situation you're in a lot i don't imagine they would like i don't think we've thought that the situation would be something where it's like oh this is a i guess what my point is when marquette scored i still felt like the game was over you know what i mean yeah because you feel like you're just got to inbound the ball you know even my that's something that every you know they had been doing fine like marquette wasn't stopping them from inbounding the ball creating enough burning timeouts doing that uh the one thing i guess you're worried about is like getting tied up in that situation, but even then, that's fine. Yeah, there's there's no way that you can get a jump ball in less than .8 seconds. Yeah. But then again, I didn't think there was a way that you could catch a pass, <laughs> land, right. so that's rise sec- up, so that's the and second shoot, part. So, like, and shoot a, a so let's talk about, so now that we've talked about how Creighton gave Marquette a chance, because I think that's what we could call that right there, because Marquette still was down inbounding the ball. They are still down by three, inbounding the ball with .8 left. Yeah. So now that we talked about how Creighton gave the ball away, let's talk about how Marquette tied it and what, I guess. First of all, if we're talking about coaching miscues, that's one for Creighton. Marquette had the best player on the floor inbounding the ball with .8 seconds I know, left. but don't you think that was part? No, <laughs> I don't. If you go ahead, though, but I'd know. All right. That dude is cooking. He has, you know. Yeah. He had at that point what thirty nine points. Like he's the only guy I think in double figures at that point. Right. Um, so Greg McDermott said he didn't want to call a timeout because Marquette didn't have a timeout, um, so he didn't want to let them get organized. Um, I mean, I I think I agree with that, but it's easy to second judge or second sure. guess that now that there's that you have hindsight. But yeah, so like but, again, Mar- but yeah, Marcus, Marcus Howard in on the ball was like, wow, okay, right, and then but he, still they got it into the second best option on the floor, I think, in Sam Hauser. Well, according to Marcus Howard, Howard Joey Hauser is the, or Sam Hauser is the clutch bucket, the clutch getter, bucket in getter in practice in, in terms late of clock hitting these types of shots. Yeah, and uh, I think that that Marcus said initially he was going to Joey Hauser, who had hit a corner three on an mm-hmm. inbounds play, but Creighton did a good job switching all screens and covered that up. Um, but they weren't able to, like, Sam was at the three-point line, and he kind of just backpedaled a little bit, and he had his hands up, and I, I guess Marcus Howard said he locked eyes with him and saw that he was going to be open, so he threw it up there for him. But Creighton kind of lost touch with him a little bit, I think. A little bit. There was and a little bit of space there was, on the catch. Yeah, yep. too much space. Once he, once he caught it, the defenders were there, right. and they contested the contest as there. well as they could in that moment, but... You know, maybe the catch was a little bit too easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that said, again, he caught the ball, came Landed, down. Came he was down. up in the air, caught it. I think, in my mind, if you go up to catch the ball and you land, like, that's point eight seconds. You know that's point eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If yeah. you catch the ball in the air and you land, mm-hmm. that's point eight. But he catched, he caught it, landed, rose up, shot it, and uh, in my mind, it still didn't count. But which has been confirmed by photographic evidence <laughs> since. But but the referee, uh, the referees on the court counted it. Counted it. And reviewed then reviewed it. it. 
put them headset on, so I'm assuming they're talking to the studio or somebody in the truck or some review. Um, some people with a better with a better angle. Yeah. Um, then they talked about they it. They talked about it for a long a while. Which like was like I that that was an unusual review because it felt like they were really really struggling to make that decision. Yeah. It, uh, and, honestly, and ultimately but, they did not make the wrong call because if you have an original call and you don't have conclusive evidence to overturn the call you've made, you can't overturn yeah. it. So I still haven't seen like the the replay the, I mean if there's a photo that's now circulating on the internet as we record like 2 hours, 3 hours after the game that that pretty shows it pretty clearly that the ball was still you know, on his fingertips as the uh, as the red lights went on. So if there's a photo out there, why would the video not show that? Not show that. I yeah. don't know because I again I have it. I uh, I would I, assume I, it has something to do with the f- like the the frames per second frame. we're talking about. Like if there's just how much it slows down to because yeah. you know if the camera is like a certain millisecond or and then the the video camera is different. Right. Know, I'm assuming there's some technological aspect of it that's way above my head, but I, I think that would probably go into how it's, it's decided, right? I would think, yeah. but I, d- I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, they counted the shot. Yeah. And and then Marcus Howard ended the game. <laughs> he, he called game. He called game several times in overtime. I mean, um, to Creighton, Cray- Cray- you know, yeah, to their credit, if you're, you're, you're about, I was to about to say that. Yeah. I was just about to say that they... They did display some some fight after a couple devastating blows. One being Sam Hauser's shot, and then the other being everything Marcus had looked yeah. at. Yeah. I mean, his first he put Tyshawn Alexander on the on the floor and hit that floater to get Marquette its first lead of the game to start overtime, yep. and then he hit three consecutive threes, which were all guarded and all step backs, all step back ridiculous shots yeah. that most situ like. In most cases, you're like, "That's fine. You can take that shot all day," and uh, and he made all three. Mm-hmm. But th- but then Creighton kind of it gave itself a chance at the end. Yeah, it, they kept it, swinging. It was it gonna was, need. It was like the end of Rocky One. It was just like clunches being thrown. <laughs> it was gonna it was gonna need Marquette to make a mistake, and yep. and, and in the final minute, Marquette um, arguably did. <laughs> arguably, the rewatch is gonna be interesting. I'm telling you, but <laughs> arguably they did. <laughs> But you know, the, you're at the howls. mercy. You're at the mercy of the calls. So. Howls from a, for a travel exactly. at, in the last minute. But Marquette didn't turn over and went yeah, four for four from the free throw line. I think they missed. They did miss one to cut to like Creighton because they missed one and then Tyshawn hit the step back to make it. Two. Yeah, it was because Tyshawn, Tyshawn hit a three to cut to cut the lead in half. It was six, then it went down to three, yep. and then it, Marquette <coughs> won a two from the line. So now it's a four point game. Mm-hmm. Tyshawn hits a two. It's a two point game, and then from there they were chasing Crane, four and two. Yeah, Crane kind of get closer because Marquette made uh, went two for two from the line, and then two for two again. Right. Um, had it missed one, then obviously Crane would have had a chance with the ball in his hands, down three, uh, a chance to stay alive, but mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Yeah, Marcus Howard was. Incredible, I unbelievable. Mean, Ten of fourteen from three. Um, because can we? I mean, like, you could. You could. Can, 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 can we overlap I, this into the I just, angle? I, I did not think Davion Mintz played bad defense all night. I thought he played arguably like the result aren't going to show, show it. I'm going to sound like a crazy person, but I thought considering who he was facing all night, he played the best game of his career because offensively he was good. And I mean, career. twenty-one points, eight of fourteen, no turnovers in thirty-nine minutes. Offensively, he was amazing. Oh, we had twenty-one points. Yeah, five of eight okay. from three, no turnovers, not a single turnover. 
Um, and I thought he made Marcus Howard's life difficult all night. I mean, Marcus, Marcus Howard just made unbelievable, unbelievable high degree of difficulty shots. And, like, it was one of the best. It's crazy because we've seen a lot of great performances in this arena with Doug McDermott and with all the NCAA tournament games that have been um, that have gone on in this arena. Like, that was one of the craziest individual performances I've ever seen in my life. He just... He was getting hounded. I'm telling you, he was yeah. getting hounded, and he was still making shots. And he was still, he still had enough energy to play 43 minutes. Now he made, he did cough the ball up nine times, so he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like his, that's what I mean. His life was difficult tonight. He had nine turnovers. He had as many turnovers as Creighton, the whole team. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right. But just unbelievable shot making, like high level NBA level shot making. I know. How was this guy I, not getting talked about? I don't know. At the next level, I get he's, he's five. I don't know. With the hair, he's five eleven, maybe. Right, like size. <laughs> he's and a short guy, but like he's a small guy. He, but, is, he is a bucket. Yeah, I mean, like who, once who, he's going, good luck. And and the thing is, is like when Kyrie defended him last year, even Kyrie couldn't. I mean, there, no. there were Howard and Rousey. He never went. He never went for fifty three no. against Kyrie Thomas, obviously. But he he hit some shots, especially last year at Marquette, that Kyrie was just like shoulder shrugged. Like, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what to do. Yeah, I think it, in fact he said one of them. He's like I tipped it, mm-hmm. I got a hand on it and still went in. Like I, yeah. I can't do anything better than that. And he still hit it in my face. He drilled it in my face. And he did a lot of that tonight. And uh, you know, aside from like fouling him hard, and yeah, some of those like I guess know, I guess maybe a, just on, trying on, to beat when him he was up. driving. You could have like yeah. Which I don't know if he can, one, I, right. yeah, but I don't know if he can get away with that in today's day and age. It's right, hard to right. you might get someone ejected <laughs> right. or suspended. Yeah, um, but aside from that, I don't know what you do. Face guard him. I guess that that's another thing you could have done. Well, the thing that would have um, made that tough in overtime is he was ball handling the ball. Like so, you right. had to, to touch him ninety four pretty much. Yeah, I mean that's once he catches, you're chasing. Do him. your best to yeah. not let him touch it. And um, they did double a lot. Martinez did a great. Martinez is another guy who did a great job tonight. I thought on all the ball screens that he was involved in, of chasing they, Howard around and making um, sure like that was he totally disrupted right. their ability to flip it inside and then. But make they didn't do it every time. They didn't. No. They didn't um, really hard hedge on the ball screen every single time. So maybe that is an adjustment for the next time they play is to to do something like that. But I don't know. I mean, ten of fourteen from three, you could shoot fourteen shots open and not hit ten, yeah. and he was guarded for. I'm pretty sure I, he missed more I, in warm-ups I, than he did in the game. I, yeah, I swear right. to God. Yeah. I swear. He's unbelievable. I think he, um, he his first three, uh, he was wide open, and he missed it. Yeah. I think the first three of the game, he, he got it was free. A, it, was a late, it was like a Hauser switch. They didn't switch it. Yeah. And he got open, and he missed. Yeah. And then after that, it, that was like the easiest shot he had on night. The easiest one he had on <laughs> The rest, he just started. Oh, man, it was crazy. I can't wait to, to watch it because, like you said, it was – just like special, spectacular. Special. You know, we got tip, you tip your head to an individual that just like goes off like that. Like that was Curry esque. That was Harden esque. You know, talk about all of the great individual performances you've ever seen in your uh, career covering basketball. That's you know, that's going near the top because the shot making was like I said. I didn't think Creighton made it easy on him tonight. I didn't. I, I know people are going to argue about that based on his percentages and stuff, but. It wasn't easy. He was, he was getting hounded. He made some incredible, incredibly difficult shots. I think so. I think he scored. And the thing is, is like, 
he just hit him in waves. So at the end of the first half, what did he score? The final 10 points or something like that at the end of the first half for Marquette. <coughs> um, yeah, so he had six from the he had six from the free throw line, and he hit a couple, uh, a pull up jumper and a step back jumper. So he scored their final ten points of the first half. Then there was a stretch toward the end of the second half where he goes pull up three, another three, two free throws, two free throws, and a, a jumper. So that's twelve in a row. Um, that was where. It was kind of going. Remember when it's kind of going back and forth a little bit. Creighton was had Davion that, and him were going yeah. tit for tat. Yeah, they did yeah, have yeah. Davion yeah. banked one in. Did you see the sigh banked of relief? Banked and rattled. <laughs> the sigh of relief Davion had when he banked that in because he knew that wasn't a great shot. Right. Got caught up in the moment. And he was just like, whoa. <laughs> uh, and then Marcus Howard did another three. But anyway, so he Howard went twelve straight during that stretch. It was like, if, if I look at it right now, it's the four minute mark to like the fifty second mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at start overtime, he goes for eleven straight points on four consecutive possessions. He ended the game like yeah, you know, I, and great, six great, assists great, by the like, way, fifty three points and six assists. Yeah. So you counted for everything, <laughs> pretty much. Crazy. Um, you know he he but he ended the game in overtime. He came out and 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 it's funny because we're talking to him like he gives really humble answers. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say he's not a humble kid, but. Like, when he hit that second step back over Davion, he had, like, a I got you smile. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, there's some swagger there. No doubt. And, uh, like, that was a guy that was in his bag, as they say, um, doing everything he knows how to do, and no one can stop him. Yep. So, that's the ball game right there, Marcus Howard. It's Creighton uh, with the – gave them the opportunity – uh, Sam Hauser cashed it in, and then Marcus Howard did the rest. So that's the ball game. Um, now, like, I guess we have to pick up the pieces now um, because Creighton has to move on from this. Like we said, Villanova's next, um, and then a road trip to St. John's and Georgetown, which they don't, which St. John's is arguably the most talented team in the league, and Georgetown is a place that Creighton hardly ever plays well at, with last year being the exception. So... It's not gonna. They're not gonna. The schedule isn't gonna let them feel bad for themselves. They're not gonna. It's not gonna let them say, "Well, we lost a tough one. We'll give you an easy one next." Like they yeah. have to pick it up. So I guess what that might be a good thing, though. You know that they have to lock in. Yeah, next. I think it's a good thing to play a team like Villanova, who you know that if you come in sulking or thinking that you're owed one, and that the basketball guys are gonna just take care of the things for you, and you don't have to. Do anything. You just got to show up. Like I don't think that they're going to have that mentality because it's Villanova. It's the mm-hmm. reigning national champions. Their first place in the Big East. Um, they know what they're in store for. I think, and so I think I I, I just feel like it, it is the best case scenario after a game like this to have a team like Villanova come in, mm-hmm. and so I think that they'll be okay. Um, I don't know if I can confidently say you that. You don't think so? I mean, they're just they're they're experiencing things as a group, and you know what? I, here's the perfect way to say it because I know people are going to get sick of us saying they're young and this and that because they're 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 playing games together and they're getting experience and eventually they're not going to be young anymore. Jay Wright put it perfectly last night when his team had to rally against St. John's to win that game. He said, we've got experienced pieces, like we've got players that have done things before, but this is the first time this group is doing it together. 
this is the first time they've going through these experiences as the group they are in the roles they are and that's what Creighton is in right now none of these guys are in are everyone pretty much is playing a different role with the exception of Martina Davion right do we agree on that and even Davion is doing different things because he last year could really defer to Marcus and Kyrie where he's had to take a little bit more of a scoring workload and table setting role Okay, the ball's in his hands. He's got to create a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That's fair. His responsibilities are different. Yeah. So everybody. So like. The, well, I think Martin's really the only guy who's been able to. You could say. And that pick he's, up where he yep, left off. Yeah. yeah. That like. And even he, he tore the ACL. So like he wasn't. <laughs> so even that wasn't a foolproof argument. Uh-huh. But like my point is, I guess this is the first time they've experienced like this together. So I don't know how they're going to respond. And I I imagine based on who they are, they'll respond fine but I'm going into that Villanova game I'm going to be curious well I think I, because I think because Villanova's a team that just like Marquette tonight you can do everything right and they can still beat you yeah they like they're they're a they're a roster full of sh- tough shot making dudes especially Phil Booth mm-hmm. um, Eric Pascal those guys you can be draped all over them and they will catch those things that's what they do yeah so just like Marcus Howard tonight you know Villanova's got dudes who don't mind pressure don't mind being Hounded, you know they know that what they're capable of, and they're going to try to do it, execute it no matter what. So, I'm curious to see how what Creighton's fight looks like when they have to go 40 minutes toe to toe with another team that's capable of making tough plays the way Marquette was tonight. Because Marquette never went away, and you, even though Creighton gave the game away, Marquette was still there to take it. Like they still had to hit Sam Hauser, still had to hit that shot. Marcus Howard still had to score 53 freaking points. To win by two, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Marcus Howard's worth 53 points to win by two. Like, all that stuff, still, Marquette still had to make plays to win the game as much as Creighton gave it to him. So, um, I am curious. I'm not confident that I know how they're going to respond because this is the first time they've experienced a loss that they've they've, they've had games where like, we, we wish we could have done something better or we wish we had played harder or we wish we had executed better down the stretch. They've never had a game. They literally had one and gave it away. This is the first time they've done that. So I'm curious to see how they respond mm-hmm. to that in the short term. So that's my take on it going forward. Should we get to questions? Yeah, let's do Do you have anything questions. else on the game? Um, Energy level was better from Butler, but I think we kind of saw that coming yeah. in practice, right? Yeah, we, we knew did. that was coming. They practiced better. Um, Mince was really – Davion was really good off the ball, which is interesting because I, oh, yeah, I wonder how much that just becomes a thing going forward because of how effective it was offensively. Yeah. Right. Um, Tyson you know, like, Alexander kind of ran the point, and, and the idea was that Davion was going to have to work so hard chasing Marcus Howard off screens all game that, you know, for him to bring the ball up and initiate offense and kind of carry that. Which he uh, still did some of. Yeah. Right. But to so carry like, that responsibility for the full game was it was a lot. It was going to be a lot on his shoulders. So let Tyson Alexander run the point. He did it. He had some experience doing it last year. They ran, they worked on it in practice, and then. Davion Mitz can work off the ball. And with Zagorowski, obviously, you have a backup. So. Yep. Yeah. And um, Zagorowski ended up playing like 30 minutes tonight. So he was really well. good tonight, too. He made some big plays. Yeah. Um, I think – and the reason I think it's interesting the way Davion played and the way Tyshawn ran things and the way Marcus uh, handled the extra workload is uh, it was it was a plan of Creighton's because of how much effort Davion would have to give on the defensive end of the floor. But if you look at the next two matchups, Phil Booth and Shamari Pons 
are both going to require <laughs> a lot Davion him. to do yeah. that a lot. So right. it might still be part of the game plan going yeah. forward for him to be off the ball. So I wonder if that just continues. Like if they get into a flow and it yields results and they like the way it's worked so far, if they stick with that, right. and that ultimately becomes the way they play the rest of the year. So that's what I'll file away in that regard. I'm curious to see how that goes moving forward. I thought Davion, again, played one of his best games of the year, and he played it almost exclusively off the ball tonight. So. Right. Um, let's jump in here. We're going to you, Twitter. Um, and there's, like, a lot of, like, comments in here, so not all of them are questions. Uh, but like we said, a lot of it's passions. We'll see what we got here. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of Mac stuff. Just warning you, if people don't like that kind of stuff, probably want to tune out. Um, let me see. Okay, here we go. Alright, this one's from Liam Dawson. Uh, why not just chuck the inbounds pass at a Marquette's player's legs, take a few ticks off, why not throw a, why throw a long inbounds pass? Do the three count at the end of the game, so he has a couple in there. So, um... Yeah, we, we we both agree the long inbounds pass was probably part of um, probably like a, a, a an overthought, right? You know, just you, you thought yourself on that one because yeah. you didn't need to do that. Yeah. And then, no, we, we John in real time does not think the three counted. And like we said, photographic evidence has confirmed that it did not, it did not, it should not have counted, but it did count. Yes, it did count. So, well, you, once like once the referee said it counted on the court, it was. I can definitely see why it was difficult for them to overturn that. Yeah. Judging by the replay that I watched on the press row for a second, I just sort of like leaned up, walked over, and saw the replay that they um, were showing on one of the monitors there, and then sat back down to start writing. So mm-hmm. I got a brief view, and I, it it was it was really hard to tell on that it replay. It was really hard. To but I just don't. I guess I don't understand with all the technology. If you have a photo that shows something, <coughs> why the TV why it's that feed hard. Yeah. wouldn't be able to also show you that. I don't show you everything that. that the photo did. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, this one's from Martin Swanson and uh, is there a, is there a seat that is getting warm? So that's in reference to um, what I'm guessing carryover from the K State disappointment at the loss of Rhode Island. Yeah. Just kind of all the general things about the program itself culminating in a two point loss when a guy scored fifty three points, but um Fair question, I guess, because Creighton wants to know why they haven't been in the Sweet 16, and yeah, now I have to answer that question now in January. But I'm just saying. Yeah, I would say. I don't. I don't. I, I, still I can don't get. Think. I can get the frustration, but yeah. you're not gonna. That. Uh, that thought is. Premature, like that's definitely a, what's, right. What's happen- like, what's, We can talk about that kind of stuff, once the season ends. But let's see this thing unfold. I mean. We're in the middle of January, and there's so much time with the season left. And Here's my thing. If you're going to ask that question, that means you don't care what the next game is like, right? Because you've already – there's a, trust me, we're going to see a lot of it because I've already read some of these. There's a lot of people that have kind of made up their mind already and are, well, done, I, and are done with this. So my question, my question then becomes for these people is, if that's the way you feel and you're speaking on it now, what happens if Creighton comes in like rolls Villanova on Sunday? Do, does nothing? Does that not matter again? Well, I guess, again, like, and that's and that's why because like we're most, still in the most of the athletic season. directors 
aren't making these types of decisions or aren't even thinking about it until the end of the season, until right. they have the full year to evaluate and then compare that versus past results and what trends they've seen and all this kind of like you don't just react after one game and say, well, okay, this happened and it reminded me of this, this, and this, and mm. that must mean that I have to form an opinion today. Right. Um, there's so much time left. That's I guess. My thought is just keep an open mind. Let's see if this team can grow, and if it doesn't, then we we can yeah. have we can talk about it at right. the end of the year. We can talk about um, the direction of the program and and you know what where things are going and why it unraveled if it unraveled. Uh, but there is still a chance for this team to finish in the top half of the Big East and make the NCAA tournament and maybe mm-hmm. make a run. You never know. So I mean, the two things I guess that so come much, to mind is so we, we knew the stretch was going to be difficult. We argued before it started that Creighton could go zero and five in it. And they're still not – while one and two isn't good, I don't think one and two against – on the road at Providence, on the road at Butler, against Marquette, I'm not sure how many teams are going to – in the league are going to go – But I guess how many teams are going to go two and one against that stretch when you're at Providence, when you're at Butler, and when you're home against Marquette. Like how many teams in this league are you confident that are going to have better results than Creighton did with – Against that stretch, because so that, that's what you're evaluating, right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Like this loss to Marquette was not the way it happened was not acceptable. But in if you zoom out and just look at the thing as a whole, that's what you kind of have to do in that situation. But I understand the frustration because the game was lost on a coaching um, mistake. So yeah, yeah, and Mac admitted that. Yeah, um, I guess my thought is is that you you've got that. You got 15 games left, so if this team yeah, is like, is le- if if it if indeed given it given I just say give this coaching staff and this team an opportunity to prove themselves because I think here, that and, they, and the other thing there is, is a potential for them to to have a the other thing is with, with the last two years Creighton has dealt with injuries that have led to that have led to them regressing as the season's gone on. Mm-hmm. This team right now, as it currently stands. Um, you know, health permitting and all that, but we'll see as it currently stands, has a chance to be one of the teams that actually gets better as the year goes on. So, like, there's still there's still half the schedule left to do that. Creighton's 10 and 16 right now, and they have 15 games left in the conference play plus one in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So they literally have half their schedule left. They're right. literally at the halfway mark if they never play a postseason game. Right. To see how much they can grow. So, yeah, I say keep an open mind and still evaluate it. I understand people are using the whole body of work as it is, but I think with this team, um, there's still a lot of evaluation left to do. It's, it's interesting because, like, I don't – I kind of think that – I hear this all the time after Creighton loses a close game. It's like, well, yeah. Greg McDermott can't coach in close games. Right. And I, you know, I still haven't seen a definitive – and I guess it's on me to kind of do some of this research, and maybe I will now. That's an off-season thing, though, don't you think? Because, like, it's tough to dive real deep into possibly, it when storylines are going on and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was uh, Creighton's – let's see – Third, what I would determine as a close game of this season, okay. the East Tennessee State game and the Ohio State game were both um, <coughs> up in the air in the final four minutes, and then this one. Is that right? I mean, are we missing any others? That's fair. I'm not going to count Clemson. Um, Georgia State was a blowout. Um, I'm, not counting, I'm not counting Providence. Not they, counting were, Providence? they were in hand. They had the game in hand at the end. 
toward the end. So this they're one and two in close games this year. So okay, um, I would count Providence, but that's just my opinion. Um, but like there are there are a lot of games. I feel like since I've been covering this team, where Creighton has made the the, the key plays at the end uh, to to find a way to win. So I think I mean, that Villanova it, uh, last year, what, what it yeah, what it like a lot of times one. for me, what I just find it. It's usually what what makes your argument more convenient. What's more convenient for your argument, or what what uh, whichever side of the you're debate about, you like, lie. the confirmation bias. Right? Yeah, like, that's you, kind of what you it, kind of like find what you're looking for. A lot of times, that's what it seems like happens mm-hmm. because we don't hear, or at least I don't hear, uh, from folks saying, "Well, yeah, that was a good good coaching job at the end of that game for Creighton to find mm-hmm. a way to win." You know, mm-hmm. um, I think Creighton. Uh, you know, I I guess that's maybe maybe this was a tough question to deal with right now because it's like there is so much left to see. So it is it's hard to answer. So right. I understand why you're why we're both stumbling over it, but there's just more to it than just simply saying, well, they couldn't get the ball inbounds with point point eight seconds left. So that's a coaching malpractice. He's got to go. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just one. It's one like microcosm. Well. Th- that's the thing. I think a lot of people see it as something that of part of a larger picture, right? Yeah. As, as as something that's um, kind of part of the DNA of the program, whereas I am not ready to make that sort of determination. Mm-hmm. Mostly because we're in the heart of a season, and this team could Literally. still prove that right in the um, smack dab in the middle of it, yeah, or sort of disprove that that is actually the case. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see how things unfold. We will. Uh, this one's from Schmitty. We drank the good stuff after the Butler game. Good. Um, yes. Now what do you recommend? Ooh. This is a whole different type of ball game we're talking about right here. This stuff, what we probably recommend now is stuff that might kill you, right? So only the strong survive our recommendations currently. Yeah, I don't know, honestly. Um, I'm trying to think what's the... Probably some Fireball whiskey, right? Yeah, just... No chaser. Grab, grab. Don't grab, even grab a. Grab, grab whatever's in the don't back. Don't even of your grab a glass. Just grab whatever's in the back of your yeah. cabinet and. Just grab a bottle of whatever you can find <laughs> and chug until it starts coming back towards the other direction. <laughs> but that's what that's what this type of like. If Butler was, you know, like a twelve pack or whatever, this one's like grab the strongest yeah. stuff you can touch and chug. But until, be safe. Yeah. I mean, no, just let be reckless. You're fine. It's whatever. <laughs> don't drive. Don't hurt anybody else. I wonder. But, you know. Yeah. You got to drink the pain away, so. It's interesting because I do kind of wonder what we'll look at, you know, at the end of the season, how, how we will examine this game. You know, will it be. There's a, a question coming like oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's so. like, will it be a pivotal moment for this team, for this program? Um Okay. What what is the la- or will will not matter? You know that right. that's. So um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say this. I, I I went into tonight thinking. I remember I had the quote in my mind, um, but I just you know we did the podcast with Mitch Ballack, uh for like forty minutes, um, and one of the things he mentioned when I brought up this stretch of games with uh, Marquette, Villanova, and St. John's, and I didn't want to bring it up. I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring it up before this game, but I kind of want to now because I think it's, I think it's, gonna be. I think it's incredibly profound. First of all, 
and it might actually ring true in terms of what we find out about this group. He thought this doesn't define... He thought this next three games with one in the bag now as a heart-wrenching loss was not only going to define who they are as players, who they are as a team, but who each player on the roster is as a person. And what he meant, and he, and he explained it, so if you guys haven't listened to that, you should. He explained it because it's, it's about how much fight you've got in you to handle a difficult situation coming off of a loss to Butler where you did not put your best foot forward. And, and part of his explanation was, look, if we do everything that we're supposed to do and they beat us, we'll live with that. And from a player's perspective, you could you could probably make the argument that, that, they, that step one has already been accomplished. But now they have an emotional blow dealt yeah. to them where they have to like understand why the result didn't go their way and now rebound from it again. Um, so, yeah, I think that quote's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Um, because he thought it wasn't just a test of who they are as a team, and he thought it went beyond basketball. He thought it's a test of just how much they want something – as individuals, like how bad they're able to, or how much they're able to focus on something that they want really bad for themselves and how much it means to them. Yeah. And it, it would shape who they are in life. He really said that. So that is going to be interesting to see how they respond from that. Um, this is from Shooter U. Am I just a homer or were some of the touch fouls against Marcus Howard just awful? Um... I don't know. They were I mean, pretty handsy. Yeah, they were. But I think, I, Marquette, but I, think I thought Marquette I, was pretty handsy too, and they didn't. Yeah, I thought it was get pretty call. I, Mar- I thought I thought the difference in the calls were Marquette probably got more in the paint than I think Creighton got on their end. So I didn't think it was balanced in that regard. But you know, I think bad calls are going to happen in a forty-five minute game. That's just up and, and down. And Howard is really clever. He so is. you yeah. got to. I mean. Plus, he's got the scorer's reputation. Like, you can't do right. it. You can't he gets, just manhandle him. He gets so, the line yeah. a lot. So, I, yeah, I mean, sure, some of them were probably weak. but um, I thought the one that fouled Mitch out was a bad one. But um, he, he, also he's scre- a, he also said a lot of obscenities of the referee didn't get a T. So he kind of got <laughs> one way or the other there on that one. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It Yeah. But missed calls are going to happen. So it's... It didn't, I didn't think it was so egregious to where it was. Yeah, I didn't think got like jawed by the referees yeah. or whatever. Like that, there were some bad calls. There were some bad calls late, but you know, I don't think anything can. Any, I don't think any any of the calls can make me even the the three that Hauser hit at the buzzer. I don't think anything can make me go back to the fact that Creighton had the ball game in their hands literally right. and didn't close it. So yeah, that's what I'll keep going back to. Um, this one's from Matt to the W. I think that's what it says. Uh, at what point do we get over above average, and can we do that with Greg McDermott? So that's kind of like a different twist on the question we just – is that something yeah. we can – or we said enough on that? That's an interesting twist on it, I think. Like, do you feel like the program – or do you feel like the, play, the, the, the team as it's constructed, the style of play is conducive to successful right. college basketball? Which, I mean, I think it is, but I can see why people don't. The thing, the thing that I guess is, if you don't believe it, what's the style you want to see? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what, probably what can work that, here. That's probably the question consistently, for, right? Um, and if you change the style, because this is what's kind of change pro- your style, you're changing your coach. Because this is kind of what the program was built on, on steroids, right? Like Dan Altman came in and started jacking up threes, playing some high low. 
you know, playing some small ball. Um, I don't, you know, I think, I think Marcus Zagorowski has as much toughness as like Ryan Sears or Ben Walker, dude. I don't see, I don't think anything. I think Creighton's getting skilled players that are just as tough as the guys that built the current modern era of what we see now. Like, right. So, well, I, I just, I, I, I guess, I guess it's, it's an interesting question because like yeah, Creighton, the last two years has been really close to maybe doing something really special. Um, and certainly two years ago, yeah, had a couple injuries, and now some people may say, "Well, you know, you should have been." I mean, th- that you recruit for that. Mm-hmm. There's a chance you could get guys hurt, and that's on the coaching staff for not building a roster. And others will say, "Well, it's just bad luck." And um, and so now Creighton is trying to do it again, and and I feel like. Uh, the there's potential with this group, yeah. But um, I know it's it is year nine, and people want to see results now. And um, so I, I, I see. I know why people are curious about. It. I know why people are asking that question. But I think I think it's important to to just sort of table it and hold those thoughts until the end of the year because you want to see what this team can do. Um, as, as it has a full season under its belt, like let's we'll just see, let's just see what they can how what they can grow into. Yeah. And I just scrolled through. This is our last question. <laughs> the rest of it is just comments. So I'm not going to read everybody's comments. Sorry. Um, this is from Jeremy Griffith, and this is a good one. I think this is a good way to end it. Um, what if this? Is, what if that's the game uh, that keeps the Jays out of the tournament? It's gonna, be, it's gonna be tough to live with. It will be tough to live with. Well, I do think that this team has NCAA tournament potential, and it would be a disappointment if they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Oh, so you're there now? I was, yeah, I was. There. Honestly, I was there at the start of the season. I mean, were you really? I didn't know if they could get there, but I think that's the expectation this program oh, has. Oh, I see what you're doing. Okay, this program is an NCAA tournament program. If anytime you don't make it, it's a disappointment, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't matter that you're starting. It doesn't matter you're the youngest team in the Big East. Like that, that's the standard. You got to get to the NCAA tournament. Okay, and so and then once we saw them perform and they beat Clemson and um, had a good half against Gonzaga, you saw what the potential could be. Like to me, it, it's capable of being an NCAA tournament team, and it'd be a disappointment if not. So, if this is a game that I I don't know if this game would, I don't know what the committee would do with this game. Honestly, I feel like um, maybe maybe Creighton has so many chances to get good wins that I would imagine um, this one won't be the one that knocks it out. It'll be a bad loss. Right, like because they, they still don't have one of those yet. Right, right. Losing at Xavier. Uh, I mean, I guess you could argue a lack of quality, a lack of quality wins, maybe, and you don't. But even last year, Creighton was an eight seed with like, what were they three and nine against Quad One or something? Sure. Okay. Um, there, it's when you're on the bubble. Most of those teams on the bubble do not have good records against. Quad one teams, you know mm-hmm. their quad one records aren't great, and if they are great, they usually have two or three bad losses that kind of offset that a little bit. So it, there's a a way for Creighton to get in the tournament with not without a without having a great sort of record against the best teams that it's played, okay. but you certainly need some wins. And I think, this uh, one obviously would have been a big one. 
Uh, but I do think that there's so many more chances. I don't. I don't know. I don't think. I feel like. I just doesn't feel like this one's the one that's gonna knock him out. But if they are sitting on the wrong side of the bubble on Selection Sunday, I think, <laughs> especially if they're one of the first four out, here's the, you'll yeah, be here, thinking about this one where, and what where, it could have done if they would have won it. Where I'm at on that is, I do agree with you that I think a, I think without a bad loss, this one isn't going to kill you. But if at the end of the day the conversation on Selection Sunday is what have you done, this is going to be... Of what could have been in a bad way, yeah. Like, because it's an opportunity that they had in their hands and, and gave it away, right? Um, and I think here's what I'll say: is like last year, actually going into Selection Sunday, actually felt like, and it's funny because you convinced me otherwise, but like I felt like Creighton was in more trouble than people were talking about. Like I thought, you know, there was a Selection Sunday party and like everybody was showing up, and I think <laughs> people felt like. Creighton was just like waiting to find out where it was, and I woke up thinking, "What if they're not in it?" Like, because I kind of like looked at their resume and was like, "That's not a great resume," you know what I mean? And your uh, perspective was obviously, "Yeah, but you have to compare it to its field, which was obviously compared to the rest of the bubble team, which was obviously as as always." John was right. Um, <laughs> no, not always because they were ultimately in the field comfortably. Um, I and and the and the thing I kept going back to was the Xavier game that you could argue, was taken from them by a controversial call. This one, and we were, I was talking with uh, John Bishop, the play by voice of the Jays, obviously, but about, like, which one is worse? Which loss is worse, the Xavier loss or this one? And mm. I said, this one is worse because this one they controlled. This one they had control over the terms of how it ended, and they lost. Yeah. Versus the Xavier game is out of your control in that situation and you're at the mercy of a call, you can argue, you can you can recover from that by saying you did everything you could do to control that situation and the results were what they were. You had to live with that. This one is worse because they did everything they could to put themselves in position to get the result, then gave it away themselves. Right. So, like, to me, this is a more damaging psychological blow than that Xavier game was. The Xavier game, I felt like, could have pissed them off and made them hungrier. Um, and made them really respond to it. It didn't do that. Yeah. It didn't. <laughs> didn't it? No, let's be fa- let's be accurate about that. It did not do that, but it could have. Yeah. This one, I think, has a chance to like deflate you beyond the buzzer. You know, into practice, into preparation, into just sitting around watching TV, thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like this one has carryover effect. That's why I'm curious to see how they respond because they're really young. They've never had a. But do you think they haven't had a gut punch like this before? Yeah, but do you think the fact that Greg McDermott was pretty adamant about saying it was my fault, it's on me, might help helps the players sort of come back thinking that they they really did do what they needed to. Yeah, and and it doesn't. They don't feel as much of a, a burden. That's definitely the way they start to recover. Yeah. I just don't know. But how the, f- I don't know how quickly you can fully. Here's the other thing too: is like when you're a basketball player, you kind of you kind of are conditioned to be resilient anyway. Yeah. Um, you're gonna go because the, the game. There's so many gonna, plays in the game. So many, yeah, you're gonna, There's yeah. gonna be moments when you play poorly or you lose games. I mean, not like this. You don't have losses like this very often, but you're gonna have losses, and so I think. Um, Throughout the course of your career, you're always going to have moments where you feel embarrassed or regretful or whatever after a basketball game. So I think players are, especially when, 
I mean, I feel like the older you get, obviously, the better you are at it. But even at this stage, I think a lot of guys are um, pretty well conditioned to to snap back into form. And, I, and again, I think having going over on here on Sunday helps a lot too. So. Mm-hmm. That's the end of our questions. Should we talk a little bit about Villanova? Because uh, we've both seen them quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah, we have. I watched the St. John's game. Have you watched the St. John's game? I watched uh, the, most of the second half of that game. Okay. Um, so I guess, uh, what do you think about that matchup? And since we already talked about the way, the psychological part of what Creighton's going to deal with the next couple of days, um, just what in terms of... Um, what in terms of what Villanova does from a personnel standpoint is uh, the tough part of what Creighton faces on Sunday? Well, I think just kind of one-on-one matchups probably. What do you do against Pascal and what do you do against Booth? Great. How do you keep those guys from not scoring 50? <laughs> well, they're not going to score 50. Well, we both agree that like if Pascal and Booth don't both have good games, Creighton's probably going to win that, right? Like, I would think so. We don't, we're not confident in Villanova's auxiliary parts yet, I don't think. No one's really – other than um, Sadiq Bay, okay. I feel like he's kind of brought some consistency. Sure. Gillespie had some good games. He's, so, but, yeah, but he's kind of – Gillespie's kind of been up and down he a little bit. He has been, right. Um, I guess I haven't really followed Villanova enough to see what Bay's done, but I feel like every time I watch him, he's making an impact in some form or fashion, so – um, but he's not. I don't think he, he hasn't been a guy that's gone for like twenty in the game, right? I think he's just think kind so. of been a consistent secondary option for them offensively. Yeah. So yeah, what do you what do you do to try to limit Pascal and especially Pascal because he is such a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability, his strength, and and then his ability to put the ball on the floor. Uh, trying to keep him from eating you alive is 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 a challenge, and then Booth can make tough shots just the same way that Marcus Howard did tonight. Even if you guard him, great. He still can hit it. Um, so I feel like those, yeah. The scouting report, for me, starts and stops with those two. Is what, how, do you, how do you find a way to take those guys out of the, out um, of the game? I think pace will be interesting, too, because Villanova, especially this year, really, really, I mean, I can't even remember what they are in pace, but I think the last time I checked it was in the 340s, so... They really want to slow the game down and That's and a good and point. get into a slu- like a little you know they want to get into a, get into a slugfest but they want to make it like body punches not haymakers so yeah um, they want to keep it a low possession game in the sixties so you know can Creighton get the thing going in the open floor can they run on Villanova uh, can they speed up the Wildcats uh, that's part of the game too I think will be huge because that'll favor Creighton more than it'll favor Villanova with as many weapons as Creighton has. Um, they have more firepower than Villanova does. Villanova's more solid uh, defensively and at controlling tempo. They like to force you into making a one playing a one-on-one game, and you know they let they figure Booth and Pascal are a good as good a duo as any in the Big East. So they feel confident in their abilities once they can get the game into a one-on-one type of deal. Um, so Creighton's ability to push the ball and space the floor and get the game up and down will be a big factor in yeah. the results as well. And, and you just have to be so solid defensively against Villanova you really because do. you can't you don't you can't gamble, uh, you can't fall for the the pump fakes. Um, man, I, there was a play in the St. John's game where Booth dribbled to like maybe half, maybe the block a little bit outside of the paint, maybe like between the elbow and the block, and jump stopped and pivoted, 
and he's looking for somebody, and St. John's defended it so perfectly until his final pivot, and he pivoted toward the basket, and the defenders weren't there, and he just sort of rose up and laid it in like a little scoop layup. Um, even though he was like eight feet away from the basket, he still it was like the St. John's did everything right until like the last he he gave one more pivot and they couldn't. So you just have to be so locked in for mm-hmm. um, the entirety of a possession because one moment of uh, a lapse where you forget a back cut or uh, you know you ease up just a little bit on a guy a ball handler you get beat and. Villanova was just so good at, at exporting a mistake uh, by a defense, so Crane's going to have to just be really solid and locked in to its game plan. And that's going to be a challenge because they haven't always been like that. They haven't always brought the, the necessary level of focus at times defensively. I think they've done better over the course of the last few weeks, but mm-hmm. they haven't always done this over the course of the season. Agreed. Um, I think that's it. Anything else you got? I don't think so. It's crazy. I think Dirk asked if that Dirk asked a question of you if that's the craziest game you ever covered. Well, we kind of talked about that a little bit at the we start. It, yeah. One of for sure. I guess my thought my my prevailing thought is is that, is that I Greg McDermott made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, his plan was flawed on the inbounds pass. That is clear. But I don't think that we need to rush to judgment or start forming some hot takes based on that fact just yet. Let's let the season play out. Let's see what this team can accomplish. Let's see what he can do as a coach as he tries to groom these guys and mold these guys. Because there is a chance that in two months this game will be something that we just kind of smile at. (laughs) Creighton fans will... Obviously, it'll still sting a little Try bit. Try heat, <laughs> Right. But uh, it won't be as... Uh, it, it's possible that it that it won't be... Uh, it'll just be a footnote to the season um, instead of a bullet point. There's a chance for that. I mean, and it's possible in two months that this game is, the, is a turning point in a negative fashion. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think in a, in a basketball season, it, you can... You can it, you can, if you want to ride the wave of the wins and the losses, you can do that so easily, and it can be a pretty uh, tumultuous and wild course because they're playing 31 games, and in the sport, it's so unpredictable. It takes very little to tip the scales or tip the balance one way or the other. That's why you got to judge the whole body of work. Yes. And so that's why I, I, I guess, like you said, it's, it, it's kind of hard to have the big picture sort of program direction conversation after we just witness one game when there's so much of the season left. Yep. Uh, mine would be, um, I totally agree with everything you said. I think Mac is probably not going to sleep tonight. I think he knows this one's on him, um, and I think at the same at the same time, this is kind of what I love about sports is because now we're really going to get to find out what like what these team is made of because I don't think like I said before when we were talking about this I don't think they've had a gut punch like this before I think they've kind of like I said 
I think most of their season has been pretty predictable. Like, they've won the ones they should have. They've lost the ones they should have. They've You can argue they stole a couple that were toss-ups. This is the first one they've had and given away, where like they felt like they put everything through their best effort for literally almost six, almost uh, forty minutes. You know, you talk about like point eight ticks on the clock. You're, you're you felt like you were pretty much done with that one as soon as Martin hit both those free throws. Like as soon as you got that last stop on Howard, you felt like you just sealed the ball game with that. And as soon as Martin hit those free throws, it was iced. So. Now we get to see what kind of character they have as a unit, like as what they're made of as a group. Um, how far they're going to go is going to be, in my opinion, based on how they respond to this. And I know that puts everything on the Villanova game. Um, well, well, for me, it does because it's Villanova. Like, I think you've it's Villanova. It. It's St. John's. It's Georgetown. It's the next stretch. Yeah. Um, how they respond is definitely yeah. That's what I'm curious to watch yeah. because I like that's the that's one of my favorite parts about you know covering um, sports at the you know the way we do with kind of like seeing how it's all done and seeing how it's all made and because you do get to see you get to see their frustrations more than most people get to see them you get to see the 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 bad parts more than most people do so you get to see what they're made of and I'm curious to find out what they're made of. And I think this is a chance for them to, you know, like Mitch alluded to before this game, it would define who they are. And I think now, more than I thought he was at the time he said it, I think now he's right. Um, Because this is an extremely difficult loss to take. And I think I've seen teams in the past, talented teams, that have, you know, had something like this happen to them when they've gone south with it. You know I mean? They've let it, they've let it. Like McAlew's in the postgame, not let one loss become two. They've let it happen before, so I'm curious to see if this group has enough. Have you seen it from Creighton teams? You know, normally, <laughs> it's fun. You know, Creighton used to have, like, a tradition in, like, the end of January where they would, like, drop into a lull and lose a game that they could have won. Then they would come back and, like, lose a game they shouldn't have lost. Hmm. And then they would, like, be like, okay, well, now they have to respond, and then they would lose another one. So it's like... I've seen it snowball. Before. That's you know that's yeah. what they say. Uh, I've heard this in co- from coaches before. Is like the way you get on losing streaks in league play is when you lose games you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like when you lose games you should win, or you give games away. That's how you. That's how you get on losing. Exactly. Streak. So right now they're on a two game losing streak yeah, with one they gave away that they shouldn't have. Yeah. And then, like we said, the schedule doesn't get easier, but. Creighton's at a point. Eventually, Creighton's at a point where they have to win a game they shouldn't win, and Sunday will be the first one. And they'll have to do it after their toughest loss of the year. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I'm curious to see is they're, what they're made of. That's my prevailing thought. Is like now we get to find out what Creighton's made of. Right. Even though I'm saying, even though I know I'm kind of like painting a picture that the season's on the line on Sunday, I know I'm not trying to do that, but I do think we're going to find out what they're made of. I think that's like I think that's going to be a humongous game. In a moment for them that probably defines the rest of their season, I think, in my opinion. Good. You're not ready to go there. I, I think I agree with all your thoughts, though. I think that's a great closing. Well, and I just think I think this team's going to respond well. Okay. So, I do too, but I, I still I yeah, yeah. I I'm curious. I know I'm putting a lot on the Villanova game. <laughs> I don't think I'm meaning to, but I think it's like if they come out and lay an A, I guess is my point. Well, yeah, that I will would feel be. like that's carryover from Marquette. 
Yes. If they come out and play hard and lose, that's a different story because they that's just Villanova being better. We'll, we'll dissect that as it goes. But right. if they come out and lay an egg and just have no life or fight left in them, I will ha- I will draw the conclusion that that's from the mental blow that they took against Marquette. Yeah. Then I'll say two losses or one loss became two. Is what I mean. Definitely. So. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope this was able. We were able to, uh, I guess, soften the blow a little bit, answer some questions. Um, and if you did hit the bottle, what probably twenty minutes ago, we answered that one. We hope you're doing well still. <laughs> um, in the meantime, you know where to go for the coverage. Omaha.com for John's recap, notebook, all his thoughts. Um, buy a newspaper. Um, do you still have the six ninety nine? Deal going on, or is it a good different? question? I think it might have changed. I don't know. Just go to our subscribe subs- online. Yeah, yeah. go to the subscription page. It's worth it. He does a great job covering Creighton. So subscribe online. Um, we had some really John's good coverage. deals over the holidays. Sorry if you missed those, but it's all right. Yeah, well, Valentine's Day is coming up. Maybe you can have another one. Hey, right? all right. Um, and then white for uh, my stuff, Tom's stuff. Um, this podcast and anything else you want just ask for it I guess Um, but in the meantime thanks for tuning in we will talk to you again um, Sunday afternoon after Creighton versus Villanova have a good week everybody